Hello and welcome to this episode of Macro Sutra. As you can see, it's on Zoom this time, and that's because unfortunately I have COVID. But here at the print, we don't let things like COVID stop us, so the show goes on. But now, before we get on with the show, uh, I wanted to make an appeal to you, which is please do subscribe to the print. It's through your subscriptions that allow us to do the kind of ground reporting that we do, bring you stories from all over India that nobody else does. And it also gets you a whole bunch of benefits, such as the subscriber exclusive webinars that we do, where we get experts to come and talk about the news of the day. You get to write in to us in our Your Turn section, where we publish your opinion as an article in the print. And of course, you get access to our subscriber exclusive newsletters that go out from our editors to all of you where all the editors, we pick out the important stories of the day and we write a little bit about why they're important and we send it straight to your mailboxes. So please do subscribe. The link is in the description of this video. That being said, now let's get started with this episode. What we're going to be talking about is what the RBI in various reports has to say about India's financial stability, how it is, and what it looks like as we go in 2024. And to discuss this, as always, we have with us Radhika Pandey, Associate Professor at NIPFP, who's gone through both the reports and is going to tell us all about them. Thank you so much, Radhika, for joining us. Thank you, Sharath. So now, Radhika, first off, let's start with what the two reports are. What do they deal with? What do they encompass? And what can they tell us? Yes, so uh, in the last week of December, the RBI released two reports. Uh, one is the report on trend and progress of banking in India, and the other is the RBI's financial stability report. Now, the former, which is the report on trend and progress of banking in India, tells us about the state of uh, banking in the last financial year, that is 2022-23. It tells us about how much the balance sheet of uh, scheduled commercial banks rose, what was the increase in credit, what was the increase in deposits. It also talks about NBFCs, the non-bank financial companies. So it's a very comprehensive report telling us about the uh, growth of banking, uh, the growth of uh, NBFCs, the growth of other segments of financial uh, system. Uh, and it also talks about some of the, it gives the global backdrop, you know, what are some of the uh, changes that have happened in the global uh, financial system that could have a spillover impact on the Indian financial system. Uh, so that way, it's a very comprehensive uh, report because it gives a lot of uh, data about uh, the balance sheet position of uh, banks and NBFCs, which we don't get elsewhere. You know, it's a okay. So that way, it's very comprehensive. The other, of course, is the RBI's financial stability report, which is an assessment of uh, stability, which is an assessment of uh, what is happening to the uh, asset quality of banking sector, what is happening to the, uh, again, talking about uh, balance sheet position of banks, but it delves into the uh, first half of this financial year. So it's talking not just about 2022-23, which the uh, previous report talked about. It's talking about the uh, developments in the banking sector that happened across the first half of the financial year. That is from April to September of the current uh, year. So that's where it is... Uh, 
uh, more updated. And again, it's talking about the global developments in the uh, uh, in the banking sector, in the uh, other NBFC sector in the first half. And then it's talking about the uh, developments in the first half in the uh, in the domestic financial uh, segment. Mm -hmm. uh, so it has three main chapters. It has a chapter on uh, risk both global and uh, domestic risk the second chapter is about the uh, you know the domestic financial system where they talk about npas talk about profitability capital position and they do a lot of uh, scenario analysis you know on what in under what situation can banks face headwinds uh, Right. You know, the capital position can come down or the NPAs may rise. So it's a very uh, uh, comprehensive report in that sense. And the other chapter is again on uh, uh, the various regulatory developments that they have done. For example, they increase the risk weights in November. Uh, whatever mm -hmm. uh, regulatory changes they have made over the course of the first half of the financial year, all that is summarized in the final chapter of the financial stability report. Okay, so now let's start with when we talk about financial stability, of course, the first thing that comes to mind are the banks. Right. So let's start with the banks. So what does the RBI, what's the sense that you get that the RBI feels about the health of banks, the quality of their assets, okay. and you know whether it's becoming healthier or is it now peaking and it's again coming down? Yeah. So uh, if we look at both the reports, you know, the general sense we get is that uh, banks are resilient uh, and they have the ability to withstand uh, shocks, which is in contrast to uh, the global uh, banking landscape, because there we saw, you know, we talked about that also the uh, SFP crisis, the banking crisis that happened, Silicon Valley bank crisis that happened in the US, uh, right, where the, the interest rate, because of the interest rate risk, the uh, banks had to, banks suffered. So all those uh, kind of risks are lesser in the, the Indian framework because of the regulatory prescriptions and also because of our uh, the investment profile of Indian banking sector is much different from the investment profile of the foreign uh, banks. Uh, and this is something that uh, we've also talked about, right? When yes. the SVB collapse happened and yes. when the crisis happened, even in Europe, yes. we talked about how our system was actually quite resilient. Yes, because our system is mainly based on household deposits and, uh, you know, our assets are also not too much in available to sale uh, securities, but, you know, in uh, held to maturity. So it's less immune to the day to day fluctuations in interest rates right. that happen, uh, where, uh, which were, uh, what was the main reason for the uh, uh, crisis in uh, March 2023 in the US uh, banking sector. So, uh, so the general sense is that there has been an improvement in uh, banks overall asset quality because now we see the GNPA which is the gross non-performing assets as a proportion of advances or loans uh, has fallen to 3.2 percent which is an 11 year low so the GNPA ratio of banks has fallen to 3.2 percent the net uh, non-performing asset ratio which is uh, when once we exclude the impact of provisioning that has fallen to 0.8%. So, you know, we have seen uh, a, a significant improvement in the asset quality of banking sector. That right. is one uh, key takeaway. The other is that the capital position of bank has uh, improved a lot. Uh, so the regulatory threshold is 11.5%. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, for uh, Indian banks, it is now 16.8%, which is quite above the regulatory threshold. Right. So even under uh, adverse stress scenario, the expectation is that banks will be able to meet the regulatory uh, thresholds of the capital position. So that is the second key takeaway. And third is that profitability is uh, uh, high. And that is because we have, again, we've talked about this, that you know net interest margin of banks have risen because last year we saw a period of sustained interest rate hikes by the RBI, uh, and which has a faster transmission to lending rates. So the lending rates of, of banks rose, deposit rates also rise, but uh, not at the same pace as lending rates. Therefore, the margin between the return on lending and the cost of deposits increased. And that was one reason which led to increase in profitability of uh, banks. The other is that because the uh, bad assets were lower, so they have to do less provisioning. Less they provisioning, keep, right. Yeah, so they have to set aside lesser amount of their uh, capital and that also boosted their profitability. So various profitability metrics they talk, to, they talk about like return on assets or return on equity or just uh, PAT, which is profitability after tax. Uh, so all these metrics show record high numbers. Though given, uh, you know, going forward, now there are some concerns, but as of yeah. now, you know, so as of now, the position is quite good. It is uh, in terms of all uh, performance indicators, Indian banking sector is resilient. Uh, and that is what is being talked about in both the reports. Right. And now, as you mentioned that going ahead, there are some concerns. Uh, there are a few, even I had uh, gone through the, the reports and I, I read your article as well. Uh, the first one is, again, something that we have been talking about, which is the rise and the growth of unsecured loans. Right. The RBI has also been talking about it earlier, but now it's codified it in a report. Right. So what, what does it have to say about these? Yeah, so they've talked about, you know, the compositional shift in the bank's credit. So uh, what is happening is that... Uh, if we look at the overall uh, classification of banking credit, it has been geared towards uh, loans to services and retail loans. So agriculture right. and loan, loans to agriculture and loans to industry has been subdued. It's not picked up at a very fast pace. Uh, on mm-hmm. the other hand, and loans to services and loans to personal, uh, you know, retail segment has grown at a very sharp pace. And there they give some numbers, uh, particularly the retail loans. They say that, you know, in a span of two years, that is September 2021 to September 2023, retail loans have grown at a uh, growth of 25%, whereas the overall bank credit grew by 18.6%. So, you know, the retail loans grew at a much faster rate as compared to the headline uh, credit growth, the overall uh, credit growth. And that right. has also resulted in increase in the share of uh, retail loans. So retail of loans course. now account for 40%, more than 40% of the overall uh, bank credit. It's a significant shift in the overall uh, credit portfolio that we are uh, witnessing. And, and is this in itself a risk? Itself, it's not a risk because, you know, uh, if we look at the NPAs, the retail loans, NPAs is the lowest. If you look at, you know, the sectoral uh, NPAs, we've talked about the overall gross non-performing assets ratio. And if we divide it into, if we study, analyze it in terms of agriculture, industry and personal loan, we see that, you know, personal loans, NPAs is the lowest. So as of now, 
there is no problem uh, personal loans uh, are doing fine the problem is that a greater share of personal loans are on an unsecured basis you know because they are being advanced without any collateral right. or maybe at a limited collateral so uh, that is the point of concern that has been raised by rbi initially in the form of a warning and then they increase the risk weights uh, just to you know right. discourage banks to uh, 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 go uh, at a very fast pace as regards the unsecured lending so uh, and there uh, again here they are talking about the same concern that you know the share within the retail loans the share of unsecured lending has increased and that has increased just in within a span of 2 years the share of unsecured lending has increased the growth of unsecured lending has even been higher than the growth of retail loans so as i said retail right. loan has been 25% the unsecured loans has grown by 27% so they are worried about uh, not just the uh, secu- uh, retail loan but the fact that unsecured loans is rising at a much faster pace and therefore the share of unsecured lending within the retail loans uh, category has increased within a span of 2 years and that is true not just for banks but also for nbfc so both banks and nbfc are engaging in uh, uh, unsecured retail lending which is a, a cause of concern highlighted by the uh, rpi okay and yes now I, I, it's great how you lead me up to my next question because my next question was about nbfcs we've talked about banks mm-hmm. but the rbi has raised some concerns about nbfcs and the interconnectedness of nbfcs and banks and how this is growing yeah. now first let's start with what their issue is with the nbfcs are, and then we'll get to the connection with the banks yeah so uh, you know nbfcs the non bank financial companies they are of uh, two types you know broadly they are a very heterogeneous lot and they have been playing a very important role in financial intermediation in uh, you know giving loans to the last mile in giving loans to those segments where banks are not forthcoming so they have been increasing their footprint in the credit uh, business a lot over the last 2 3 years uh, now again the problem with nbfcs is that you know currently everything is fine in terms of their npas its uh, npas mm-hmm. are low uh, the credit growth is uh, uh, good their balance sheet position has improved uh, but again the problem is that they are lending at a very fast pace on an unsecured basis which is a cause of concern right. highlighted by so it's, like, it's the same issue it's the same issue that you know hmm. again the retail lending uh, both by banks and nbfcs retail lending has been rising and within retail lending it's the unsecured loans component which has increased at even a faster pace uh, which is causing concern for uh, uh, the rbi so therefore rbi has increased the risk weights for uh, consumer loans uh, unsecured consumer loans and that applies to both banks as well as uh, nbfs uh, the point here is that within a span of 2 years there has been a very sharp increase in the uh, unsecured loan and this is what is something you know as we the question that we had uh, raised was that you know what are the financial uh, risk going into 2024 this is something which is which is going to be uh, something on the rec- regulators radar in 2024 because they have to see now what happens after the imposition of risk weights whether there is some tempering or slow down of unsecured uh, loans or not uh, because that is, is something there, that uh, are there any other steps that the RBI can take like say if they find that there is no slow down 
in the growth of unsecured loans, what more extreme steps can the RBI take? They can further increase the risk weights, and if they further increase the risk weights, that will that will uh, hamper the capital position. Even right. now, you know, uh, it's not. It is an extreme step. Uh, it's not something that uh, 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 is not going to have a material impact. It will have a material impact on the bank's capital position because they will have to set aside more capital uh, if they have to lend to this uh, category. And therefore, the uh, capital position of banks is going to fall. And they, this is uh, one thing that they have estimated in the report also that, you know, around we should see the capital falling from 16.8 to 16 percent. So uh, there is an 80, pos uh, 80 uh, basis points decline in the capital position estimated because of this move. So it is if they further increase the risk weight, it will have even a uh, more significant impact on capital position and hence on uh, profitability and so on. Uh, right. So given this, we have to see now uh, to what extent there is a tempering. Is there a tempering in the credit growth overall or only in the unsecured component? So a lot of things will play out in 2024. Right. And now, uh so far, I was given to understand that if NBFCs and banks were interconnected, then that only serves to help the NBFCs. It makes them stronger. But it seems that the RBI is now saying that this growing interconnectedness could be a risk. Could right. you tell us a little more about that? Yeah. So what has happened is that since 2018, we saw that there was a there was a spate of crisis in the NBFC segment in 2018. The most significant was the ILNFS collapse, the infrastructure leasing and finance uh, uh, services company limited uh, collapse. Uh, right. out, uh, after that, what happened was that the entire funding uh, for NBFCs dried up because Completely. Normally, yes. uh, uh, what happens is that uh, NBFCs raise funds and then they lend. So the business model for NBFCs is different from banks. They do not accept deposits, public deposits like uh, NBFCs, uh, like banks, like commercial banks. So NBFCs raise finance through the issue of uh, bonds or through the issue of short-term papers like commercial papers. Uh, right. Mutual funds are one of the main subscribers of uh, these bonds and they were uh, till 2018. But after this crisis, uh, uh, which led to th there was a complete squeezing of funding for NBFC sector. Uh, mm -hmm. And after that, uh, particularly post-COVID 2021 onwards, we see that uh, there has been a growing reliance of NBFCs uh, on banks. So the bank borrowing became the major source uh, of borrowing by NBFCs. Before that, it was the issue of depentures. And that's very, uh, you know, aptly shown. It's a very uh, lucidly shown in the RBI's report. They have a table which shows the source of borrowing, which we have also uh, extracted in the article, which shows that now bank borrowing has become the prime source of uh, uh lending uh, borrowing to for NBFCs. You know, banks have okay. become the key lenders. Earlier, right. it used to be issuance of debentures, but now it is uh, the banks are the main lenders to NBFCs and they account for 41% of the overall uh, uh, NBFC borrowing. So uh, that is okay. uh, one uh, shift that has happened. And uh, it used to be the share used to be 37%. And now it is uh, uh, more than 41%. So again, in a span of two, three years, we have seen a big jump in the share of banks uh, in the overall NBFC borrowing. So both from the perspective of bank's balance sheet, 
NBFC share has increased. And from the NBFC's perspective, banks have become the prime source of uh, borrowing. So right. now this is this growing interconnectedness uh, could pose systemic risk concerns because if because if NBFCs face some asset liability mismatch, you know, because NBFCs are lending in an on an unsecured basis, if they face default risk then they will not be able to pay back to banks and then the risk that NBFCs the are facing right. will spill over to the uh, banking sector. Now, if had it been just two, three NBFCs, it would have been fine. But given that the share of uh, NBFCs and the overall bank lending has increased significantly over the last two to three years, uh, that could post system-wide concerns. That is why they use the term systemic risk. So it's not just limited to, uh, you know, at a micro level, but it's now become a more macro concern. It's become a more uh, financial system concern. And that is why it finds a place in the financial stability report that it's a systemic risk concern due to the growing interconnectedness between banks and NBFCs. Another point is that, you know, what happens is that uh, uh, banks are not allowed to lend to smaller NBFCs because of right. the regulatory uh, constraints, but what's happening now is that banks are lending to bigger NBFCs, and bigger NBFCs are lending to smaller NBFCs oh. to address or to you know to uh, move around this to play around this regulatory uh, prescription. So that is again, you know, any vulnerability in the NBFC sector could then spill over to banking sector. Right. Uh, so of that course. is a concern. So, but. How do you go about addressing something like this? If the root cause of the problem is that NBFCs are not being able to raise capital from other sources and mm -hmm. so have to rely on banks, how do you fix this? Because uh, the raising capital from other sources is a voluntary act. People have to be willing to invest. Yeah. If they're not willing to invest, how do you how do you fix this problem? Yeah, so once they have already tried to fix this problem by again increasing the risk weight. So, you know, one is the increasing in risk weights for unsecured lending. But the other is that the banks lending to NBFCs also now attracts a higher uh, uh, right. risk weight. So that is one way of uh, discouraging banks to lend a lot to NBFCs. The other is that NBFCs would have to diversify their sources of uh, funding. They would have to uh, get into the uh, bond market. They would have to issue bonds uh, at a lower uh, cost. Uh, as of now, they were, till now, they were also enjoying the lower interest rate regime and they were able to borrow at a lower cost. But now right. uh, they will have to diversify their sources of funding because uh, going forward, it will become uh, problematic for NBFCs to rely on banks because now since banks have uh, are subject to higher risk weights, they will charge a higher uh, interest rate from NBFCs. So NBFCs cost of borrowing from banks will increase and therefore they will have to shift to other sources of borrowing, which relatively could be uh, cheaper going forward. So overall, I mean, we could see in the short term at least a slight squeeze of capital yes. for the NBFCs because if yes. they aren't getting money from the banks or the markets, Yes, that is true. And that is what has been uh, highlighted by a number of reports also that in the short term, the cost of borrowing for NBFCs could rise. And that could again then spill over to their lending that, you know, they, the, the, their lending could also become more uh, costlier. So it is going to have an impact on the uh, NBFC business. And that is also something which has been highlighted by the financial stability report that okay. while, you know, banks are uh, quite well placed under all uh, risk scenarios low, medium, adverse, but NBFCs in an adverse uh, stress scenario 
it could have an impact on its uh, on their balance sheet. So that is something that uh, needs to be uh, seen. It needs to be watched how this uh, interconnectedness plays out in the in this uh, year. Right. And uh, now we have talked about bank profitability. Uh, I've written about it. You've written about it earlier. And uh, banks were doing uh, quite well or are doing quite well even now in yeah. terms of profitability. But the RBI seems to feel that this might taper a little bit uh, going ahead. Yes, because of a number of factors. One is that, you know, the agricultural loans from the agricultural sector is going to be subdued. And uh, because of the subdued performance of agricultural sector, agriculture, the demand for loans from agriculture could be slower. Uh, also, given that agricultural NPAs is at 7%. Overall NPA is at 3.2, but uh, loans from NPA, uh, loans from agriculture is uh, having a higher NPA at 7%. So uh, that is one reason for uh, slowdown of the overall uh, bank credit. The other is the uh, increase in the risk weights could lead to uh, lowering of uh, credit. And also, you know, if we, uh, this, and this will have an impact on the profitability of uh, banks because the net interest margin will now uh, start to squeeze uh, because right, uh, uh, because now banks, if they have to lend, they will have to offer a higher interest rate on deposits, which they are already doing. If you see over the last couple of weeks, we have seen a number of banks increasing the deposit rate on term deposits, you know. So that will lead to repricing of the deposits. So, uh, so the the trail that we are seeing, you know, credit, uh, uh, the loan rate is rising at a fast pace, whereas the deposit rate is not rising. But now we should uh, see that, that gap will shrink. Will, will shrink uh, in this right. year, and that will have implications for uh, net interest margin further having implications for uh, banks' profitability. So not to say that bank profitability will turn negative, but the kind of record highs that we saw this year, we might not see in the coming year. Okay. So uh, there you go. Uh, overall, none of what the RBI has to say is very, very surprising. A lot of it, you know, we could all see coming. One is that the banks are in a strong position currently. They have been resilient to a lot of the external shocks, the internal right. shocks, but there are some emerging signs of stress. A lot of it has to do with the growth of unsecured loans. This is a sign of stress, not only for the banks, but also for the NBFCs. And because the banks and NBFCs are becoming more and more connected, it's a source of stress to the entire financial system. Absolutely. Going ahead, banking profitability will still remain strong. It won't hit the record highs that we just saw, but it'll be a little lower than that. And that's because there are some emerging risks that are coming up. And the fact that deposit, the rates of deposits has to go up, it has to start meeting, maybe not meeting, but coming closer to the rates at which the banks lend. And so their profitability in that case will shrink, but not huge uh, causes of worry just yet. This is just the RBI warning, laying out the groundwork, saying that these are the emerging risks. Keep an eye on it. If not, we'll have to take some steps.